<laughs> I'd like to t- uh, share today's uh, scripture. Um, you know, this fr- this past Friday uh, uh, at men's ministry, you know, we talked about uh, scripture being the the, the sword, um, the sword of the spirit. Uh, so uh, this this scripture, uh, when Paul told me that I was reading this today, was. Uh, um, you know the 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 theme of the sword and and cutting things out uh, really kind of hit home. Um, you have heard it said, "You shall not commit adultery." Um, but I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. It is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So says the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if this is your first week at Missio Day, you've come for a great week. Nothing like uh, starting off and saying, you know, we're going to talk about lust and we're going to talk about divorce. And we're going to talk about maiming and we're going to, you know, and some of you are going, yeah, when it comes to Christians, you know, when it comes to sexuality, yeah, they're a bunch of prudes. You know, Jesus was nothing but a prude here. And, but the reality is there is some beautiful stuff that is going on here. But I need to, I need to first uh, kind of do a little bit of blanket statement. We are going to be talking about some, uh, some subjects that are, are, are sensitive. And for some of you, you're going you're gonna to feel a little bit squeezed from past life, present life, and your, your current uh, theological views or your, your world views. You're going to be challenged or you're going to feel convicted. And I just know that for, for men, um, men, it, it's easy to talk about sex when it comes around jokes. You know, we, we, we could, I remember being a high school boy. It was not that long ago. But I remember being a high school boy and being able to pull out, you know, any kind of dirty joke and, and be able to giggle. And even there, there's, and this is just, I, I need to confess it, it's easy to be crass. He said that. <laughs> and we just do these dumb boy giggles. But Jesus has some pretty serious words when he talks about sex and sexuality and lust and marriage and divorce and all these things. He says some pretty firm words to us, to Paul. And as I'm sitting in it this week, you know, there's a a lot of uncomfortableness because this is speaking to me as well. And there's areas in my life that I'm going, oh God, we have a lot of work to do in me. And I hope that's your confession this morning too. God, we have a lot of work to do. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. 
doesn't matter if you are male or female. These are issues that we all deal with, that we're all struggling with or have struggled with. But here's something that uh, as I am, um, as I've been walking through it, I, I needed to hear um, some words of reassurance. And for me, uh, it started off with First uh, John 1, 1, 9. Because it's easy as Christians to hear a sermon on subjects like this or any other subject, even the subject of uh, me talking about uh, uh, stewardship this morning, where you're going, oh, dang, he's talking to me, and I feel like the, the, the knife is going into you know, my back, and it's uh, guilt. But here's what Jesus has, has to say in First uh, John 1 and 9, 1, 9. If we confess our sins, here, that's the first section, if we confess our sins, Everything else is is hanging on that piece. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive all of our sins. So if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay? So this morning... Uh, as these things uh, might pop into your mind, men, women, as these things pop into your, your mind about your past, your present, I want you to cling on to this, remembering that God is faithful and just in forgiving all of our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins. If we say before God, God, I... I have fallen short in this area. I find my eyes wandering. I find my heart lusting. I have done this. I am doing this. I am caught in this trap. God, I confess. Here is my stuff. If you, scripture says that if you, if I confess my sins to you, you will be faithful and you will be just and you will forgive me. And cleanse me. From all unrighteousness. Now, I don't believe that God removes memories. That God, you know, if you had uh, two or three years of just heavy in the, caught up in pornography or a sexual experience or this or that, that God doesn't go, oh, I forgive you. It's all gone. God gives us those memories as reminders of the grievousness, the heaviness, the painfulness of sin. They're the little landmarks that say, remember when. They're not, they're not um, points that we live in. They're not our residence. But they're points of reference. Reference of God's grace forgiven. Okay? So, this morning we're going to be talking openly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to be talking openly about uh, sex, lust, and divorce. Because honestly... They're connected. All this is connected. If, if you look into your uh, Bible, maybe that you have open, that you, you're going to see that it's in two sections. Well, that, that, that's, not a, um, that's not in an inspired heading there. It's just the, the, uh, the people just decide, oh, now Jesus is talking about divorce. I, as I'm reading this, this is all 
connected. Jesus is talking about our interconnectedness with one another. Specifically talking about our relationship and sexuality. So this morning, the question at the top of my mind is, where does our deepest satisfaction come from? From whom does our deepest satisfaction come from? Does our deepest satisfaction come from your sexuality? And what you get, what you receive. If you're married, if you're unmarried, thinking about those experiences. Is that where your deepest satisfaction and your drive is going? Man, I cannot wait to get home with my wife. Well, I cannot get, wait to get home to be with my husband or with the, my girlfriend or my boyfriend. And if, if you're saying, man, I cannot wait for that, is that where your deepest satisfaction, where your hope and your identity is found? If it is, I'm going to challenge you that you're missing something. That God is saying, listen, your gift, this gift of sexuality is it's a special gift. And I... I want to be the God who helped you unwrap it and say, holy cow, that was amazing. That was, that just blew off all the shingles off the roof. That, that was just, that, God is good. That was an experience that was a blessing. God wants to be the God of, of your sexuality that says, look at what I gave you. I heard uh, Tim Keller in a sermon talk about uh, sexuality and sex, and he says, sex is almost a sacrament. He didn't say it was a sacrament. He's not saying it's like communion and, uh, you know, a baptism. He says it's almost like a sacrament. And what is a sacrament? It's a sign and a seal of something. And the sexuality that we have, sexually intercourse experience, something that you have with your husband or your wife, is almost like a sacrament. It's a sign of something. And it's a seal of something. And so this morning, we're going to unpack some, hopefully you are going to say, I need to take that out of my, my belief, this belief that I currently have, take it out of my suitcase, out of my mind, and replace it with God's Word. What God has to say about sex and sexuality. Okay? So, let's start off. Jesus says in verse 27, You have heard it said. You've heard this say. You, you know, in fact, it comes from the Seventh Commandment. If you're a good, Bible-believing, Pentateuch-memorizing kind of Jewish person, you have heard this said. You shall not commit adultery. Seventh commandment. Everybody has heard it. You shall not commit adultery. And all of us, if we're honest, we know people who have been deeply affected by adultery. But Jesus takes it one step further. And maybe you've been affected by adultery. Maybe secondhand, maybe firsthand. But Jesus takes it one step further. 
Because Jesus is never satisfied by exterior motivations, exterior acts, exterior things. Because Jesus goes directly to the heart and says, let's go to the heart of the matter and let's look deeply at your heart. Why do you do the things that you do? And Jesus goes on and says, but I say to you, everyone, the Greek word is pas, everyone who looks at a woman, I'll insert man, a woman lustfully, with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, men, just, just be honest. You don't have to raise your hand, but just be honest. I'm willing to bet in this room we have 100% adulterers in this room. And women, be honest. hundred percent adulterers in this room. All of us. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds what? The Pharisees. You're falling short. There's no hope for you. confess our sins, He'll be faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus cares more about more than physical acts and our superficial definitions of what purity is. He cares about our hearts, our motives. Uh, Lou Smead. Um, I don't agree with everything that Lou has to say, but uh, Lou Smead uh, says... Uh, Oh, shoot, I didn't put it up there. Lucy Mead says that... Maybe I did. Can I, can I flick through this real quick? Like, uh, Ah, yes, I did. He says that sex is such explosive, self-giving, such personal exposure that few people can feel the same toward each other afterwards. Talking about sex. Some of the words here... Kind of make me blush when I first read it. But he's saying, listen, the, the gift of sex is a precious gift. That you cannot say that, um, you know, I'm just going to leave my heart and my mind in the car and have sex. We're just going through an act. Bruce Mead says, oh no, it is so impactful. It is, it is self, so self-giving. When you, when you are in a sexual experience, even in your mind, you are giving your thoughts, your mind, your desires, your hopes, your dreams towards that person. It is so self-giving. And it's also, it has such personal exposure. Personal what, what, what is that person going to think of me? What about, you know, here's me going, I, I, I was weighing a good 172, when, uh, or was it 162 when I was first married? Now, uh, 195-ish. You know, and there's such personal exposure in, in, when we talk about our sexuality. 
And that other person, how are they going to perceive us? How are they going to care for us? You know, and that, honestly, I would say that no people can feel the same towards another afterwards. It is so, it's such a beautiful thing. And God says, listen, it is a beautiful thing. And it's meant for a purpose. If we look at at Genesis, it talks about uh, God's original intent when it comes to marriage. He said uh, in Genesis 2, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his girlfriend, his lover, his wife. This was before the fall. Before sin entered in. And, And God is speaking through Moses as he's writing this. And a man should leave his husband or his father. Yeah, a man should leave his husband. Uh, a man should leave his father and his mother. So he leaves his family unit and he should do what? He should hold fast. He should cleave onto. He should so connect with his wife. And they shall become one flesh. I'll tell you, if you read through the book of uh, the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, oh, oh. It can make anybody blush. Seriously, unless you're hardcore. This is the way that he talks about sex and sexuality and sensuality between a man and his wife. It's rich and it's beautiful. And God is saying, listen, there has got to be exclusive loyalty. Father and mother and dearest friends take second place. You cleave to your wife. You hold fast to your wife. You are cemented to her. This is it. And on top of that, it's a lifelong loyalty. The husband and wife are to be united. Because if you've ever done any kind of super glue experiments, I remember doing this as a kid, not sure that it really works. It works. You don't, just so you know, super glue on fingers, not good. Touch them together, it holds fast. And pulling apart, okay, graphic, yeah, but we're going to get to graphic here because if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. But he he said, super glue, what happens in marriage, is that we are to be super glued together. We are to be bound together, held fast together, united as one flesh, not two fleshes, one flesh. We're bound together. And when we pull apart, that's why divorce is next connected, there is tremendous amount of damage. And God says, no, I want you to be whole. I, I created this for a purpose. For you even to see the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church Cleave to one another. Hold fast. And when you tear apart, it ruins lives. There's destruction. There's pain. Brokenness. God also says in Genesis 2 that there's this a bodily loyalty. Husband and wife become one flesh. They express and they seal their union of hearts and minds with the union of their bodies. 
That's why Tim Keller says, sex is almost like a sacrament. You're sealing something. There's a promise. There's hope. There's joy. But then we get to this, this, this section where it says, uh, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. If your, your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. You know what? We're going to be, uh, next week, we, we better you know, have some other people here because you're all going to be blind. And you're going to be walking around with, uh, you know, having nubs for hands. Just nothing but stubs. Because we all, there are, we all have our, seems like our vices that we go to. We all, we all struggle. It's just a casual glance and you go, Phew. yeah. That was nice. And here, he, he says some things. If, your eye causes you to sin. The, the, the Greek word there that causes you to sin is skandalizo. Which is, uh, you, you can hear the word scandal in there. But if it has a root even farther. It's talking about a, a trap. It's, it's that little uh, um, twig that green twig that's on a on a trap that if you hit that green twig what happens the trap closes and you've gotten you're caged so if your hand or your eye or or your foot or your whatever it is causes you to stumble jesus is saying remove it but is he asking for this kind of mutilation kind of uh, mentality for, you know, Mike struggling with this, cut it off, cut that off, cut that off. Or is he speaking in allegorical terms where he's saying, not Al Gore terms, allegory, as an allegory, is this, I'm blowing things out of proportion and I hope that you get the picture. Jesus is saying, act as if you don't have eyes. Act as if your hand is not there. Act as if your feet are not taking you to that place, to that woman, to that man. Act in such a way that it's not there. Because it's better to walk around in a maimed world than to experience, what did he say? Hell. Now Jesus isn't saying you have sex, you go to hell. But he's saying something here. The word that he used here, this word Hell here is Gehenna. Gehenna is, is found in the southwest part of Jerusalem. And it is the trash heap that is constantly burning. Where there's death and destruction. Unclean, uncleanliness is there. It is better for you to live without those things than to constantly be burning, to have destruction, to experience destruction in your current life. And honestly, in conversations I've had with some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Whether it be a past 
girlfriend, a boyfriend, a fiancé, or a significant other. Or you're married and you've struggled with, and you've fallen into, you've been caused to sin because of pornography, masturbation. Holy cow, he said it out loud, yes. You struggle with these things and there's an internal burning and destruction that is going on. That's just killing you. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's a different kind of life. And I need you to confess your sins and recognize that that is brokenness. God created you to have something beautiful and it's marred. Confess that. And I'll forgive it. And I'll restore you. I'll give you healing. Because in the reality, here's what lust is. Lust is coveting. It's desiring something that's not yours. If you're dating somebody and you call yourself a Christian, you can call her your girlfriend. That's nice. Reality, until you are married, she's your sister in Christ. That woman that you're with is your sister. Yikes. Kind of makes making out a little bit, bit different, doesn't it? Sounds like Kentucky. You know, but here's, here's the reality. Is that these, these people, Todd is my brother, Dina is my sister in Christ. These are, we're brothers and sisters in here, so how do we interact? Do we act in a covetous kind of way? And saying, I want that, I need that, that fulfills me. Oh, I've got to have that experience or that experience. I've got to do this. I've got to have that. You've got to give me this. You've got to give me that. The, all that is is coveting and making a person not a person that's been created in the image of God, but moving them to a commodity. Something to be had that provides me a service. And that's why Jesus uses these grotesque uh, pictures and says, listen, sin has got to be repugnant. It's got to be repulsive. If you view the sin in your life as just repulsive and that it's not honoring God, if not, we've, we've got to do some real deep heart work. On top of that, He says that we need to strive towards holiness. And it requires discipline. Not apart from God. Because then you're becoming like the Pharisees. He said, listen, we together, we strive towards sanctification, being holy. And that's why I believe that this next section is connected. 31 to 32. It's also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, I say to you, 
everyone who divorces his wife, divorces his husband, makes her or him commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is, this is, this is personal stuff. And I'm not coming out with a statement about this is what Missy O'Day believes about divorce and remarriage. But this is something we really have got to wrestle with in the light of grace. In the light of grace. I'm way over my time. And some of you are going, yeah, wrap it up. I think here's the thing that we need to work together as a community. Job made a covenant with his eyes that he will not look lustfully at a woman. We need to together make covenants together. Not for just uh, moral superiority, but for the sake of our souls. For the sake of our testimony in this world. And it's also not meant to be alone. I'm not a lone soldier. I'm not doing this alone. But there's certain research out there that scares the living daylights out of me. Men, when it comes to pornography, uh, a certain psychological journal said that 89% of us, if given the opportunity, would click on online pornography. 89%. So maybe there's two of us in here that would be scared to death of our wife. And we would never click it. But in our hearts, in our minds, we're just as guilty as the rest of us. 100%. So here's something that Missy O'Day is going to be offering. Men and women. Because women, it's a pornography lust is on the rise even with women. In your bulletins, you receive this. Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability program that you can choose to invest in. And I use the word invest. Because it's $2 a month for the sake of your marriage and your future relationships. $2 a month. And you're saying, I don't have a problem with online. Is it worth $24 to take that risk for that one time to be one of the 89% who do struggle? If you are at all interested, send me an email. I'll send you a link and I'll sign you up. And you can set up your own accountability partners. I don't care who they are. It can be me. I prefer it not be me for everybody. Please, it can be your wife. My wife is mine. Every elder candidate also has this signed up. Nathan has it. I have it. I don't know if Sarah's your... Yeah? Sarah's Nathan's. Talk about a beautiful relationship right there. But here's the thing. 
It's just another tool. Accountability happens not over the internet, face to face. Again, the importance of Christ at the center of our hearts, our relationships, everything that we do. The need for community. Godly men and women in our lives. For the sake of the cause. For the sake of the mission. Of sharing hope with other broken people. Of pointing them to the cross. For me, this now I'm going to wrap it up. In uh, the book of Hosea, it's a great story. Again, it's a picture of Israel's unfaithfulness and how uh, Israel is like a prostitute and Hosea is to be like God and pursue Gomer. The poor woman has named Gomer. Uh, pursue her with all of his heart. And this is what God says. I will betroth you to me forever. I'll betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. And you shall know the Lord. May God's faithfulness to us compel us. His love and sacrifice for a broken church, for a broken Paul, for a broken you, should compel us to faithfulness. And more than that, God gives us grace. He gives us grace to forgive our sins and to make us new. We're going to be coming to the communion table. For some of you, you need to do a deep heart check. Because maybe some closet sins, that door has been opened. And some of you maybe even need to do that brave thing and say, not only have I been exposed, that God is shining light in my dark spaces. But I need to take that next step of trusting God with my life. Maybe you need to take some time and pray with somebody, talk through it, wrestle through it. I don't know what it looks like. But we're going to participate in communion. In communion, it is the celebrating of Christ's death for us. And in that, He is calling us to die. Die to our wants and our needs. Knowing that, in doing so, that there are tremendous blessings and hope. We're told in Scripture that we need to examine ourselves. Check our hearts. so that we don't eat and drink judgment to ourselves. 
So if you've not given your, yourself to Jesus Christ, trusted in Him for salvation, can I encourage you? Just sit. Sit back. Watch. Ask questions. Talk to me later. What is that all about? I'd love to answer your questions. But for the rest of us, I want to encourage you, examine your heart before you come for this meal. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took the bread and He broke it, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, He took the cup of blessing and said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant being poured out for you so that you can experience my faithfulness to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do this in remembrance of me. Those who are serving, please come forward. So our time for our giving to Haiti and for benevolence. So come, for all things are ready.